We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to the second part of the Reluctant Leader series. In the introduction to this series, I mentioned a few reluctant leaders that we'll be looking at. And the first was Peter. We're going to take a little more of a look at him now. And just to be clear up front, we're looking at his beginnings and why he was such a reluctant leader. And as much, I mean, I could I could spend a whole lot of time, so we're not going to hit every little thing, but we're going to go over um, quite a bit and, you know, the, some of the biggest points in his life that really stood out and that also we can take and see how it applies in our daily living as well. And we're going to come all the way around to see Jesus, of course, because when you look at the Bible, it all needs to go towards Jesus. All right. So to start, let's go to John 1, verses 35 through 42, and look at where we were introduced to him and some of Jesus' first disciples. All right. So again, that's John 1, verses 35 through 42. Now, the Bible says, starting in verse 35, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had had say, or had said, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah! That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. So let's break this down a bit. So in this passage, we see John the Baptist teaching about Jesus and pointing the way to him right away. That is John the Baptist's calling. That's what he did. You know, when you read through and you look over the life of John um, and everything prior to his birth and then after his born, and that was his whole thing. He was the one to come and point, uh, before and point the way. All right. Now, the students here are Andrew, Peter's brother, and most likely John, the author of this book. And right away, they're drawn to Jesus and begin to follow him. So needless to say, I mean, it's, that, that's, that's some intense magnetism. There's not many people that can pull people into him like that. All right. Now, there's something important to see here. In verse 38, this is what the Bible says. Jesus said, what do you want? 
Now, this isn't the same as asking your sister, your mom, your daughter, your girlfriend, or your wife what they want to eat and getting that dreaded answer. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Uh, I don't really. I don't really want anything. No, no. Jesus was making a point here. It's not enough to follow Jesus. It's not. We need to make sure that we're following him for the right reasons. You can't just follow him for your own personal reasons. That's basically putting him in the backseat and just bringing him along for the ride. All right. So what we all need to ask ourselves, are we looking for his glory or are we looking for our own? Because if we're only looking to build ourselves up, if we're only looking out for our own good, we need to do some evaluation and we need to make some changes because the Bible tells us that those who are looking to save their own life will lose it. But those who give their life up for Jesus will be saved. So continuing on. So in verses 40 through 41, we see that after spending a good part of the day with Jesus, Andrew he, he absolutely believes what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus. So much so that he had to go and get his brother Simon right away. Now, these guys all believed, and they, they verbally said as much. We see it in the Bible. But it would be much later, and through their own personal experiences, that they would truly understand Jesus and this can be seen in Acts chapter 2. You see, it's real easy to talk the talk. Real easy. And you can say, you believe. And anybody can say, I believe. But it takes time. And living by faith to grow in a relationship and truly appreciate who Jesus is. It is a relationship. And just like any relationship... This develops over time. Every relationship that you've ever had, that I've ever, that anybody has ever had, has a beginning where things start off and you think, okay, this is good. But then you think about it and that relationship grows. It evolves. It changes. The, the passion that you have for someone, the love for someone, it grows and it grows deeper. And it takes time to get there. Now, I also just want to make a side note here. Andrew wasn't just a believer here. All right. The Bible tells us I mean, he was he was really eager to introduce others to Jesus. And that's passion. And, and th you know, think about it this way. How many people do you know that have spoken to you about Jesus? Or flip that around. How many people do you know that you've gone and talk to about Jesus. But when we look at Andrew here. Like he was running out the door. He's like, oh I, I got to tell people. People need to know about this. You know I, mean, I, I hate to make the comparison. To, as you know a, a, a little kid. With a new toy. Wanting to show off his new toy. Um, but I mean, it's, it's that same kind of passion. The same kind of fire. He's like hey I've met the Messiah. You've got to come and meet him. This is wonderful. And that's the passion we should all carry with us. All right. Now, the Bible continues on. In verse 42, 
This is where we finally see Peter coming into the picture. But you'll notice he goes by a different name. He goes by Simon. Jesus knows this and gives him a new name, Cephas, which translates to Peter in Greek and means rock. So long before Dwayne Johnson took on that name, that moniker of being the rock, Peter, a.k.a. Simon Peter, was the original. That's the OG right there, okay? Jesus not only saw him for who he was at this time, which certainly was not a rock. It's about as far from it as you could possibly get. However, he saw the man he would become. By giving him this new name, he was already starting to introduce a change into who Peter was. And this is a change that, that would need to be had for later on. Okay, just like a relationship, like I said, we're constantly growing and we're changing as individuals. Now from here, uh, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 22. And this could tell us a little bit more about who Peter is. So again, that's Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to pick this up at, at verse 18. So the Bible says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Depending on your translation, it might say send you out to fish for men. All right. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Peter and his brother Andrew, they were fishermen. That was their trade. That was their career. This was a common one, and it was a good one to have at that time too. All right. Now, to give you an idea, in those days, you know, looking at the Sea of Galilee, it was so large that there were around 30 fishing towns around it. That's pretty big. That's pretty impressive. It was so big that there were around 30 fishing towns around it. Now, of course, this being a trade and that many fishing towns, there's probably some good competition too, but that just tells you how good it was. All right. Now, in verse 19, underline this or highlight it. Um, if you're taking notes, this is a good note to take. All right. So the first thing Jesus says at this point, the Bible says, come, follow me. He's officially telling Peter he's now one of his. All right. This is the beginning for Peter as a disciple. And what does he and his brother Andrew do? They dropped everything. They dropped everything to follow Jesus. Think about it. Here's a couple of guys with a good job, not just a, job, a career. And they just up and leave because of one man. One man. You know, I, I don't know many, if any, who would do that. 
You know, e- even say like you know you're staying in your career and you're looking at going to like another employer that you know it, it's it, it's still the career but it's a different employer even something like that is a conversation if you're staying with your own employer but looking at another position even that still warrants a nice conversation at home with your loved ones so to just drop everything and to walk off like that 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 is incredible you don't see that very much today and this is not the same as just like oh i'm I'm quitting my job you know i'm I'm tired of it Uh, i'm gonna find something else to do and, and leave it without a plan you know but that's exactly what happened here why well the bible tells us jesus was calling them away from a productive career to be a part of something bigger to be productive spiritually and just like Peter and Andrew, we need to realize we're part of a much bigger picture. And just like them, we need to share the gospel. We need to share Jesus, and, you know, our testimony, what he's done in our lives. All right. Um, we need to, you know, draw people in around us, you know, bring them in close. Uh, just like fishermen who are pulling fish into their boats with their nets. You know, um, it warrants a sermon for another time because it's something I could spend a lot of time on. But this, you know, going out and pulling people in like this and sharing that gospel, that's what we call answering the Great Commission, which is something we're all called to. All right. Now, so now that we, we know Peter's beginnings, let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 42. All right, so Matthew chapter 14, and we're picking it up in verse 25, verse 25, and the Bible says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, there's a lot going in here. There's a lot to digest. You know, and that's and we're seeing a miracle at play here, and we're seeing a whole lot of things. Right? This passage tells us about Jesus walking on the water, which I mean, that's it defines all logic. You know, um, that in itself is a miracle. You know, not, nobody else could do this. And Peter had doubts. And, and the Bible tells us this in verse 28. He had enough faith to get out of the boat and start walking towards him. But for whatever reason, he decided to take his eyes off of Jesus and suddenly found his focus shifting from the miracle that's in play in front of him. Because, I mean, not only 
not only is Jesus walking on the water here, but he's walking on the water. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm walking on water, I'm like, oh, holy cow, this is amazing, right? But no, he took his eyes off of what was going on and he focused on the world. And when he lost sight of what God was doing before his very eyes, his focus shifted so that the only thing he saw is what was going on in the world around him. So he sank. And for us, that it's the same. That's how it is. We have faith. And when things are going well, things are going great, we throw up that praise and it is so easy. Hallelujah. But when things get rough and things get tough, our focus shifts and we lose the focus that we should have. And we start to drown in that very sea that we're standing in. We sink like the rock when he lost sight. So we know he had doubts in his mind, just like we do today. There is not a person out there that does not have doubt in their life. All right? And doubt is treacherous. It is treacherous. Think of it this way. You have that boat. And you might have heard, you know, most likely you've heard this analogy before, but you have that boat and it's sitting out there and it's in the water. And does it sink? No, it floats. It floats until something happens, until that water starts building up inside. And as it, that water builds up more and more, that boat starts to sink a little more and a little more until it finally comes down where it's completely enveloped by the water and then it sinks and it drops like a rock. And that's what happens to all of us. That's what doubt does to all of us. All right. Now, from here, we're going we're gonna to flip over to Matthew chapter 16. So just a little further back. And we're gonna, going to take a look at verses 21 through 28. This is where things really, really um, start to get heated and passionate uh, for Peter. Okay. Uh, so Matthew 16, and we're going to pick it up in verse 21, and the Bible says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside. And began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will, he will reward each person according to what they have done. 
Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And wow, that's intense. When Jesus predicted his own death, Peter, he wanted to protect him. That's really what it is. Peter wanted to protect him. In verse, and we see that in verse 22, all right? Peter wanted to protect Jesus, rebukes what he was saying. Now, Peter, while recognizing the Messiah, missed God's point of view. He was looking at the situation as a human looking at another human, as if Jesus was just another man. He, he, he didn't have his eyes on the picture properly. And since he wasn't looking at, you know, everything with God there, you know, he wasn't looking at it as if God was in the picture. That's where he made his big mistake. So in verse 23, this is where the Bible to, um, says, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Those are pretty harsh words. Now, you, you think of some of the nasty things you could say to somebody? And this is coming from the Messiah, and he says, Get behind me, Satan. That's intense. That's some emotion. Uh, could you say that Jesus was a little angry? Absolutely. So why would Jesus said, say this? Well, it's be, if, you, if you look at the Bible, the Bible tells us. When he was tempted in the wilderness... One of the things Jesus, uh, that Satan told Jesus was that he could achieve great things without dying. And since Peter was looking at everything here from a purely human perspective, he, he essentially he, he reiterated the same thing. The same thing. You see, Satan wants us to leave God out of our lives. So we have to be careful to make sure that we incorporate God into every aspect of our life to ensure that we don't fall into that same trap. All right? Because I said, Peter reiterated the same thing that Satan had said. That's the way of the world, not the way of the kingdom. All right? Moving along. Peter was impulsive. He was quick to act. He was quick to talk. But not so much to think. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 51, and in John 18, verse 10, it, it tells us that when Jesus was being arrested after his betrayal, Peter drew his sword and cut the ear off of one of the men. The rock laid the smack down! And in Luke 22, verse 51, the Bible records that Jesus healed that man. He healed, that, he healed the victim of this attack while telling Peter that he needed to stand down. You know, hey, chill, dude. I got this. This needs to happen. Back off. How often do we act in haste? Think about the last time you had an argument. That's a really easy way to, to, to look at this. When things get heated... Especially when we get angry, we don't think about the right thing. 
we don't think about doing the right thing. As much as we think we are, our focus shifts. And we're all of a sudden more concerned about being right at all costs. That's when it gets real ugly. All right. So moving along, now we're gonna we're gonna see Peter's swan song. So uh, I'm gonna have you turn to Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75. All right. Um, Matthew chapter 26, and we're gonna pick it up in verse 69. The Bible says, "Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him." You were you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where there was another servant girl who saw him and said uh, to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a while, those uh, standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he then uh, he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. So, Jesus, he'd been taken. He's in his last hours. And the disciples are are kind of scattered here and there. Peter is being confronted about knowing Jesus. And, And what we see here, what the Bible tells us, is he denied it three times. And in three different ways. First, he did. He first he acted like he didn't know what they were talking about. The second time he used an oath, and the third time he cursed and swore he didn't know Jesus. He pretended he didn't know him at all. And as soon as a rooster crowed, things came full circle. He remembered what Jesus had predicted he would do, and he cried. He knew he messed up, and he cried. And we're not talking like a few tears. We're talking sobbing. We're talking full-on ugly crying. Okay? Now, think about the conversations you've had in your life. Have you ever found yourself veering away from talking about Jesus? Maybe even joking about him. You know, um, I, 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 I've known a guy for, for years um, you know, not, not, he's a non-believer, but, um, and he's for years he, he's he used it as a joke. Ah, Jesus loves you. You know, I'm telling you, stop. You may very well be on a path to disowning Jesus. It's a very slippery slope. It's a dangerous place to be. This right here, this is where the illusory truth effect uh, falls in. And, and and if you're not familiar with what the illusory truth effect is, it's it, it, simply put, it's you say something enough, eventually you start to believe it. Don't risk that. Don't risk that. All right? So, from a rocky start, 
we could see why Peter was such a reluctant leader. He was stuck in trying to figure things out. He was leaning on his own understanding, though, and not leaning on the Lord. He wasn't leaning on God. It wasn't until after all this had happened, the crucifixion, the resurrection, that things started, came full circle for him. So he could become the rock that Jesus saw him to be. You see, we compare ourselves to others and what the world says about us. So what the world says we should be instead of who God says we are and what God says we can do. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. The Bible tells us the last interaction that Peter had with Jesus. And really, this is a wonderful, wonderful chapter altogether. But for time's sake, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. All right. Um, But basically, you know, Peter at this point, he he had, you know, he, he realized he messed up. He saw himself as a failure. He's like, that, that's it. I, I, I'm done. I, I don't know what to do anymore. I guess I'm just going to go back to, you know, being a fisherman because that's all I'm worth. If that, I'm not even necessarily worth that. And Jesus came out and, you know, because, you know, the resurrection and everything had happened and pulls him in and, you know, makes him a meal. And he challenges him and he challenges him in a way that finishes removing his denial and sets him on the course to serve. All right. Cause uh, uh, you know, if you recall, uh, you know, at the beginning of all this, when he changed his name, when Jesus changed, you know, Peter's name, it was to start introducing that change into him to, to help him start coming full circle because he knew that there wasn't a lot of time and things needed to change. So in here, I said, uh, that final conversation, Jesus asked him, not once, not twice, three times, do you love me? He's like, yes. Jesus told him, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And then the third time, do you love me? And at this point, Peter was getting pretty hurt. You know, and Jesus asked him, do you love me? And he's like, Lord, of all things, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And and this is what needed to happen. Now you think about that. How many times did Jesus ask him, do you love me? How many times... Did Peter deny Jesus? I kind of, you know, part part of me wants to wants to say, and this is just me personally, but you know, um, that that there's a, a reason that um, you know this three times. There's a little bit of a parallel for me, you know, but three times, and this is what needed to happen, so that that fi- that change could finally take effect, and he could go and serve, and we know he went on and served, all right. Um, so I want you to take notice though, of the very last thing that Jesus tells Peter. If you recall, I told you to highlight or underline or make a note of something at the beginning of all this back in Matthew chapter four, verse 19, the first thing Jesus said to Peter 
as a disciple. And the last thing was the same as what we see in John 21, verse 22. In both instances, the Bible says, follow me. Follow me. This is not just a charge to Peter. It is to all of us. All of us. Don't let doubt, don't let haste, don't let emotions or anything else take your focus off of Jesus. To keep with the old idiom, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Jesus is the ball. Don't take your eye off of it. Because you're going to miss out on so much when you start focusing on the world. You know, I, I recently I saw a meme and, and it struck home because it, re, it really, I, I think it applies here. That which gets between me and the Bible is my enemy. And it absolutely is. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary, or you can visit our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.